This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And I've got a special guest today in Eric Hyde, the superintendent of Peninsula State Park, Newport and Rock Island State Parks. Eric, thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, We had you on here today just to have a conversation about all the stuff that's going on at Peninsula State Park specifically. A lot of improvements that maybe disrupt some people for a little while, but I think the end result is going to be people are going to love a lot of this stuff that's happening that's that's going on right now. So a lot of stuff that's years in the, in the makings too. And it's not just Eagle Tower. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that gets uh, all the press. But maybe tell me, before we get into this stuff, Let's talk about your background and how, like, when did you come to Peninsula State Park? Been about a year now or a little longer? Almost two years. It'll be two years in November. So I came from Washington County where I managed the county park system down there and decided to make the jump to the state. Where's Washington County located? So Washington County is just northwest of Milwaukee. So it's like uh, Germantown, West Bend, that area. So this is a much different type of park system to manage, isn't it? than something down there? Yeah, it's a little different. Um, obviously, working for the county and state is is very different. So I had a, a good opportunity down there where basically kind of what we've seen with the state, the county wanted to get the, the park system off the tax levy. So, you know, with that, they gave us some, some money and resources and we kind of looked at all our properties, kind of looked at getting partnerships. So we were doing lots of beer gardens. We were doing hmm. a lot of wedding rentals. We were doing camping cabins and stuff like that. So... Had a lot of experience and good opportunity building that park system up and then kind of saw this job opportunity where it was like, hey, we're looking to hire people, you know, apply. We don't (laughs) know which positions are going to be open over the next 12 months. And then a month later, I get a phone call and yeah, I was like, all right, Peninsula, that sounds pretty cool. (laughs) Did you have any familiarity with Door County prior to this? I had been up here like maybe two or three times in my lifetime before coming up here. So I'd spent basically since high school, just traveling out West, going out to Colorado and Alaska and all that kind of stuff. And didn't really spend the time I should have focusing on all of our special treasures here in the Midwest too. <laughs> I still haven't been to the Porcupine Mountains. My wife just got back from there. So yeah. I'm trying to get out and experience the Midwest now too. Peninsula is, I think, the second most visited park in the system behind Devil's Lake, correct? Correct. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot to manage. It's not just and, and the way they've restructured things, it used to be separate from Rock Island and, and Newport. So now you're kind of overseeing three different parks. Newport's seen more traffic in recent years. Rock Island pre-COVID had spiked in traffic. So it's not sleepy by any means. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's, you know, that's kind of what draw me to is I like being busy. I like, you know, I don't like, you know, the just consistent day to day. Everything's the same. I like the changes and every day is different. And um, it's been a really kind of exciting opportunity to be up here and especially coming in i came in you know kind of in the middle of a huge you know renaissance of a lot of different infrastructure stuff going on so you know the tower was one of it but there's been you know outside of that there's been about 12 million dollars in projects that's gone on to peninsula that's kind of just finishing up and there's another five to six million coming up in the next few years and those projects are things that you know there's the big high impact things like the tower that are very noticeable to everybody, but there's also stuff like just bathrooms and infrastructure, correct? Yeah. A lot of it has been that. I mean, there's, there's miles and miles of of sewer and water laterals. So 
we're changing out a lot of that from the 60s. A lot of these bathroom facilities are very old, so we're renovating a lot of those, doing a bunch of uh, adding, basically changing all of our, our water bubblers and just tons of stuff. And then you got things like the dump station, that big field, it's probably the nicest dump station in there. <laughs> um, you got lift stations, complete overall to our waste treatment system that a lot of people might not realize that Peninsula is so big, we have our own you know, DNR permitted waste treatment system. I didn't too, know that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, a little village in there operating in summer. Well, I, like probably 15 years ago, when I first started writing for The Pulse, I did a story about Peninsula State Park and at the time I called it, you know, the best marketing tool Door County ever came up with by creating that park in 1909. Like it just, he had all these vistas, all these views, postcards, paintings, all these things that come out of that. And it is the, it's the entry point for so many people. Like there are of the thousands of interviews I've done over the years in which you always ask people like, well, so how did you hear about Door County? Probably half the people it starts with, well, I camped in Peninsula State Park with my parents or my wife and I came up and camped in Peninsula State Park. And those are the people that end up becoming our artists or they become business owners or homeowners up here or, or they start as second homeowners and move up. It's it's that entry point that draws so many people here. So it's got this special aura about it as well because everybody here has memories there. And I'm kind of wondering, like, do you feel that when you take over a position like Peninsula? And Newport has that same thing for a lot of people in Rock Island, maybe to a, to a fewer people extent, but mm-hmm. these places are special to people and they're valued. So do you feel that pressure as, as managing the park to like, all right, we got to make sure we, we do things correctly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of expectations when people have been coming here for literally generations. I mean, we have throughout the year, we have 24, 26 different camp hosts and about half of them have been coming up being camp hosts for 30 years. And they tell us about their childhood coming up, you know, their parents brought them there and their great grandparents brought them there. So you know, we get a chance to talk to a lot of just returning people, generations, and the tower was kind of a, a cool point, too, that we got to hear a lot of those stories as well. You know, specifically, we had one lady that had always had friends coming up, and, you know, she could never go up there. She, Her grandparents brought her parents up, her parents brought her, never got an opportunity, and she reached out when she actually got an opportunity to go up to the tower, and, you know, that was, you know, something really cool to hear. But, you know, we hear these stories all the time of just the generations coming up. So yeah, it's a little bit of pressure. That's why, you know, we're excited that we're, you know, getting a lot of funding to do a lot of projects to get it back to, you know, I think where people expect this beautiful piece of Wisconsin to be at. Yeah. I mean, I was, you speak about some of the stories of the tower. I spent some time up there, a couple of different trips up there, once with family that was in town and once for a story on accessibility and accessible trails, part of the action track project that's going on, which is basically a, an all-terrain wheelchair of sorts for people who have trouble with mobility. Now they can get up the tower. They can go down a trail on this almost mini tank kind of thing. Yeah. It's a really cool thing that uh, we'll talk about more in, uh, in an article in a couple of weeks. But when I was there for that, I walked around and you're just looking at the bricks that the base of that tower from some of the donors and what the messages people have on there. And they're just really small ones, but it'll be like first climbs and it'll list like Johnny, 1951, Andrea, 1971, and Millie, 1998. And it's like the family's history with that tower. And then it'll be, and the whole family in 2021. You know, it's just cool that people have that connection and it, and it means something to them. Mm-hmm. So let's start by talking about Eagle Tower, obviously the most noticeable change and improvement. And as I was there for those couple of trips in, in recent weeks, and every time I've been there, it's been so busy. And I've, you know, I went to high school at Gibraltar, so cross country, would run up and down that tower. We'd see that tower all the time growing up. And sometimes it would be busy, but I never recall 
going to the tower and not being able to park, you know, in one of the 15 or so stalls right around it. Now you almost always have to park down by Eagle Terrace. And it's just amazing. It got me thinking like this park might end up paying for it <laughs> or this tower might end up paying for itself. And you and I exchanged a couple of emails about this. Cause I was like, there's just a lot more people going in that probably never went to the park before. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, you know, my previous job, I was always looking at, you know, we want to build what people, we want to put the, our money into what people want to come back to. And also, you know, what's going to keep the park system operating. So we talk about ROI or return on investment. And, right. You know, I remember even before I was even considering working for the state, I saw like that design and I'm like, wow, that's like kind of crazy. Like, I don't know if I'd even like it. And then, yeah. you know, the first time you actually, you know, we had our big grand opening event and you walk up there and you see all sorts of different people. Like it's not just for people, you know, with accessibility issues. It's, you know, families with little kids and strollers. It's people who are afraid of heights who can't take that, you know, huge stair climb. But, you know, we've heard that coming from so many people. So I think it could have almost built that thing without stairs just because that ramp is just such a unique experience walking through the, the forest and the canopy. And then you hit that straightaway shot where you actually see the tower and then you see Green Bay behind it. It's, it's just kind of makes it something I feel like people want to come back and see every time. It's not just climb to the top in the same old view. It's, you know, a little more of a, a trek up there. There's now. a little it's bit of neat. drama involved in it. And yeah. then you have like some more interpretive signs up there now that those finally mm -hmm. got put in and those are really nice. And the, the reason I talk about it paying for itself it's just because I always thought of it as like, all right, this is a $3.5 million kind of a sunk cost. Like it's, it's just there. It's not, mm -hmm. it's because you don't charge to go up it, but you know, you got the friends group that raised 750,000 for it. And then, you know, you start doing the math. If it's, you know, I don't know, 50,000 people a year or a hundred thousand people a year that are right. going there who wouldn't have gone before. And if they're paying, you know, then what is it? $9 for a daily pass or, or if they're buying, maybe they buy a seasonal pass just to go in there that one time. Like, Oh, you start adding that up, you're yeah. you, over 10 years or so, like it might just be covered. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to think about Yeah, uh, that. I mean, I definitely see it. I, you know, last year, especially, I mean, we were seeing, and you mentioned Eagle Terrace, you know, we had to put like kind of temporary barricades on the road because people were parking on all over the side of the road going up and down and we had to make sure right. ambulances could get by and everything. And then, you know, we pretty much said, well, we're going to have to just open Eagle Terrace up to grass parking because pretty much every weekend last year, we had 130 cars parked down there just rotating out, you know, yeah. 20, 20 minutes or so. And that's what the few times I've been up there this summer, that uh, almost all of that stretch is there people are parking there, which is actually kind of cool too, because all those times I went to the tower as a kid, I didn't go to Eagle Terrace until I was like 26 years old. Right. <laughs> I never even knew it was there. It wasn't something that was celebrated. Now people are parking down there. They're going to discover that. They're going to find some of those things and hopefully other parts kind of spread out the, the crowd a little bit for you. But beyond the tower, you have some much needed road improvements. And when you talked about like the $12 million plus like five or $6 million to come, I mean, Peninsula, as popular as it is and as beautiful as it is, I mean, it desperately needed a lot of these improvements. And those roads are one big one. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone has biked through there this summer, I don't know if you guys see a lot of pop tires, but that's all I think of as a, as a cyclist. I'm like, man, they must be losing some tires on some of these potholes, but change is coming. <laughs> yeah. Change is coming. Yeah. It's been the last two years, especially I mean, the roads declined a lot. I mean, we've been, you know, we have a small, small staff and, you know, it's just like everyone else in Door County, it's kind of hard to, you know, get 
fully staffed that we like to, but between cleaning bathrooms and filling potholes, that's been a lot of the last <laughs> two summers. So, you know, I might have to do some CrossFit after this because <laughs> I've been doing a lot of pothole filling myself too. But yeah, when the, the road projects finally started, um, so they started doing some tree removal here. We had to battle with the contractors a little bit just so they didn't take down all the cedars al- along the lake, especially, <laughs> but yeah, they took down about 160 trees this Oh wow. This year, well, this week, actually, they're out grinding stumps right now. And then next week, they'll start doing some culvert replacement. And then after that, then they're going to start pulverizing the road. And Is the tree removal, is that for widening or what is the... No, so the road's not being widened at all, but there's there's some trees you could tell they built around the road. Oh, okay. I'm not even sure. We can't find when they actually built the road because it didn't become a state-owned road until, I think, the 80s. But I imagine the road was probably built sometime in the 50s or 60s. So there's just some trees that were in the way of the actual construction equipment. So like the dump trucks, they're kind of, a lot of those trees, they're kind of reaching for the sun. So they kind of crowd into the road. Yeah. Um, So a lot of those that had to get removed. Um, Mm. Some that are kind of just safety hazard, even with the, the road in the condition it's now, there's a lot of people biking on the road. So trying to make it a little safer for, for bikers and stuff sure. like that, that they're, you know, not swerving from a tree in a car. So <laughs> just kind of safety stuff like that. Um, and so you're doing how much of Shore Road is getting done? I know it, originally it was going to be all of Shore Road, correct? No, not all of Shore Road. So originally it was supposed to be a big kind of U. So starting okay. starting at the Fish Creek entrance, going up to the Nature Center, and then Bluff Road over to the other side, of east side of Shore Road, and then back out to the golf course. Okay. So we did, when we started this project, it was about a $1.4 million project two or three years ago when we were getting you know approval from the legislature to do this project. Well, since then, that project has jumped to $2.8 million. Wow. And we also had to take out about 2,600 feet of bluff road. So we have about a, about five, a little less than five and a half miles that's getting completely pulverized. So they're not just, you know, doing a, a mini little, little you know, patch put up a little surface on it. We're completely tearing it out, a new sub base, four inches of asphalt. So this thing's going to last. I mean, that's the biggest bang for your buck, and that road yeah. needed it. Yeah, and desperately. Wow, that is amazing how much that those costs went up for you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, so you so you redo the road. That'll be a huge boon. Like, as somebody who works on the Door County Half Marathon, I see it in our surveys. People are like, ah, oh, they really, the, the road needs work. I'm like, well, our race is <laughs> not capable of fixing the road, but it's going to be really nice next year to, to tell people that, yeah, you've got a brand new surface. And for cyclists, too. What is the timeline on this project, and what kind of disruptions are people going to see over the next couple of weeks and months? Yeah. So next, next week should be the, the only time that we actually have some of the roads closed down for a few hours at a time when they're tearing out the culverts. Uh, the rest of the time, the roads will be open, mostly kind of single lane, single lane flagging. That's going to go pretty much until the end of September. Okay. Like I said, this coming week, it'll be uh, the culvert replacement. Then after that, they're going to start milling up the road. Parts of the road will be kind of gravel for a few weeks while they do the other side. Um, and then they'll start paving it when they tear up the other side. So there'll be there'll be a few weeks there, hopefully only Monday through Thursday. So most of the visitors coming Friday through Sunday, they shouldn't expect really any delays or anything like that. But there will be varying kind of stages of the road condition. So which it might, might might not be too bad if it's gravel in some spots compared to, you know, the potholes that it is now. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about something we've talked about on the podcast without you on here. Some of Door County's best stargazing happens indoors. 
Every year at Door Community Auditorium, we present a star-studded lineup of concerts featuring this artists like Brandy Carlisle, Podcast Carlyle, is brought to you in Lumineers, part by Door Jason County Medical Isabel, Center. Staples, Are you looking for a job Strings, in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. October for more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Some of Door County's best stargazing happens indoors. Every year at Door Community Auditorium, we present a star-studded lineup of concerts featuring artists like Brandy Carlisle, The Lumineers, Jason Isbell, Mavis Staples, Billy Strings, Beach Boys, and Buddy Guy. You're now listening to Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives returning to our stage in Fish Creek, October 22nd. Visit dcauditorium.org for a full calendar of upcoming events and to get your tickets today. And welcome back to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm here with Eric Hyde from Peninsula State Park. Eric, this spring, I got an email from somebody who noticed that the totem pole on the Peninsula State Park golf course had come down and was curious what was up with it. And I thought, oh, they must be repairing it. I knew it had fallen into some disrepair. So I just reached out to you and you had responded that actually that's come down and here's why. And it was a pretty interesting it was unexpected, actually, like what I learned from this. And then I did a deeper dive that we discussed on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. But kind of walk our listeners through that a little bit, what the process was for taking that down and what, what you guys learned at the park in, the, in that process. Sure. Yeah. So this had conversations with the Forest County Potawatomi, which is the Chief Kokoidos. That's kind of his you know tribe that he was part of. So we had started conversations before I even got here with the DNR with the tribe, my previous superintendent, Brian Markowski. So we kind of started talking about it just because we know that the pole was in very bad shape. The bear's face is pretty much gone. You can see the, the there's about a seven foot steel post in the middle kind of holding it together. You could see that in parts of it. So kind of knew that it had to come down. And then, you know, as kind of conversations continued with the tribe, you know, we kind of found out that the totem pole is not part of their culture. They were more concerned when we had them out there to take a look at it before we took it down about, you know, protecting the actual gravesite of the chief, which is by the, by the, there's a big stone with a brass plaque on it, kind of talking about the life of the chief, which is where he was actually buried. So not, he wasn't buried under the totem pole. So I just <laughs> want to make sure people understand that. So they were more concerned about protecting that so that people aren't driving golf carts on it or doing anything like mm. that. And they really wanted to protect that area. And they also don't really, they kind of wanted it to be something for them to honor their you know last chief that they had there. So they, they really didn't want that being, you know, a tourist attraction or anything like that. So at that point, you know, we talked about some other things. They, you know, they really didn't care whether it was up or down. So we decided to take it down. Um, we are meeting with them actually with their with their elders on September 15th, we're meeting out there. So okay. they want to do a bunch of other cool stuff. So something, you know, along with their cultural beliefs. So they are part of the, the fire keepers. Um, mm-hmm. So they're, they have a bronze statue that they want to bring out by the golf course. We, they've talked about doing some kind of interpretive uh, signage up by the actual golf 
golf course clubhouse. Mm. So yeah, we're excited to look into that and, you know, kind of put that touch on it and also probably add, you know, just about the, the history of the, the totem pole there too. Cause you know, as, as much as it doesn't really fall in line with their cultural beliefs, it's still interesting Door County history, you know, yeah. just, just thinking about the fact that we probably don't think about people in the twenties, you know, you always hear about it like, Oh, we kind of, you know, just, I won't get into that too much, but, <laughs> you know, how much did they really respect, you know, the people that were here just 50, 60 years ago? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to hear that whole story. Yeah, it was pretty fascinating to dig into and to look at some of the old newspaper archives and what a big story it was when that totem pole was erected. And then also when the chief died and when they held his funeral out there and just how it was pretty much the largest event that had ever been held. And yet a lot of the people at that event were some of the people that drove him and his people out of Door County in, in, out of, off of their land in the first place. You know, that had only happened 50, 60 years prior. So it was very fascinating to see like this honor put in place, even though somewhat misguided when you look at Halmar Holand's, the design he created for that poll was, okay, here's thousands of years of Potawatomi history re represented in one band. And then the rest of it is all about the interactions with the white man and a little nod to the white man driving them off their property. <laughs> so it was, you know, it's a, it's a conflicted thing. It's like, it's an honor, but it's misguided. It's maybe some might say it's insulting, but at the time the chief himself was honored by it. So it's like, how do you interpret this? If, but then it, that was in the context of them getting nothing from the white man for 50, 60 years. So any token appreciation might've been really well. It's like, Oh, at least we got something, you know, but, was it really an honor or not? I mean, that I had conversations with a member of the Potawatomi tribe from Ohio who had called me. His name is John Lau. He's a professor at the Columbia College, I believe, in Chicago, if I have that correct. But he explained it too. He said even the hereditary chief thing is how he's referred to on the plaque that, I think the plaque that the white guy, men <laughs> put there. He said, we don't have hereditary chiefs. So even that language that was used in newspaper reports and stuff, it was probably misguided maybe wrong, maybe a misinterpretation of, of the time. But he said, yeah, we don't have hereditary chiefs and he wouldn't have been the last hereditary chief. We would have elected a new chief. So it's all these other contradictions there that I'll probably do more stories about it. Cause it's just, it's really fascinating history. Yeah, absolutely. So what people should know though, is like something will come, will most likely come back there, but now it will actually be guided by the Potawatomi and not just <laughs> a white guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's kind of an opportunity to talk about, you know, go much farther back explaining you know the the rich history here before and then also talking about the era where the totem pole is here and just yeah i think it'll be really interesting the end product that we come up with working with the forest county potawatomi and hopefully it ends up you know educating more people and actually broadening the story you know because people had ignored that pole for a long time then you know you, you're working on roads you got the totem pole thing going on you got obviously the the covid rut through so many more people into our parks and open spaces. I think you told me that visitorship is a little bit down this year over last year. Is that correct? Or Yeah, visitorship's down just slightly. Yeah. Um, last year, we're still close. really high. I'm yeah, guessing. still still higher than pre-COVID numbers for yeah. sure. So, I mean, we were at 1.7 million last year. Pretty sure we won't get there this year unless we have some kind of crazy fall, but um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely well over a million. So. so you're still seeing this crush of people, which is a crush on resources, I'm guessing, like for your staff. Were you able, have you, are you guys, would you consider yourself fully staffed or? Uh, we haven't been fully staffed since I've been here. So yeah. we will be shortly. We have some new people coming on. So we finally have a, a new full-time naturalist that 
position's been vacant for about three years, so we're really mm. excited to to add her. Name's Krista, so she starts Monday. Yeah. So we're excited <laughs> right to have around her. the corner. Yep, yeah, and then we have two new full-time rangers coming on on the 12th of September. So getting back up to that speed, what does that mean for you guys in terms of operations at the park? Is it something that people will notice on the outside in with new programs or anything, or is it just mainly you guys being able to keep up? Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, as far as the naturalist part, you know, we have a we have the brand new nature center, basically. We completely re- re- had the, the existing one renovated, and then we doubled the size of it with an addition, and we also have a new outdoor amphitheater there. So, you know, it was difficult to find a, a part-time naturalist out there, so programming's been, been really down here at P- uh, Peninsula, but having, you know, Krista here, we're going to be up and running, and she's actually going to be kind of a district naturalist, helping out some of the other properties around here, some of the other Door County state parks, and then including like Hartman, Highcliffe, the other ones that are in our East Central District. Huh. So, you know, we're really looking at kind of revamping this position and, you know, focusing on our programming. You know, we have all these different properties and, you know, we bring in these, these part-time college kids and we're like, all right, go make some programming. So, <laughs> so they're spending like, what, five to eight hours to do a half hour, hour program. So yeah. we want to have a lot of that stuff and resources ready for them so that we can, you know, really get back to the mission of getting, you know, good environmental education and getting kids kids and adults and people of all ages, you know, into nature, getting more, more stuff like that going. So we're excited to kind of revamp that program up here. As far as, you know, other resources, it's been, it's been a a tough year getting seasonal employment up here, you know, just like all the other Door County businesses. So that means, you know, it's, everyone's out cleaning bathrooms and doing that stuff. I was just out this morning. I didn't get done (laughs) until about two o'clock till I came out here. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, this time historically has always been that kind of rush time too. where you're losing people. And yeah, we lost, you know, the the six or seven employees that we did have out in the field helping us this year. Um, They've all since moved on to college, to full-time jobs. So it's really just our full-time staff. So getting our, our two more rangers, so we'll be at our three rangers, which is fully staffed for us. That will be very helpful. Awesome. You know, another big project that people may have heard of and wonder the the status of down at Nicolay Bay, the new playground project. Where does that sit right now? Yeah. So our, our friends here are really great. Um, <laughs> all of our partners are great. And when um, you say friends, you're talking about friends of Peninsula State Park. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The friends of Peninsula State Park. So last year, you know, we had an inspection done. It was just an old wood playground. It was, yeah, time, time for that to go, which, you know, kind of, I think was kind of good timing. You know, we just did the tower, you know, we're really kind of trying to focus on accessibility. So, you know, that was kind of a logical, you know, next step is to make that playground accessible. So we worked with uh, Judy Ortiz, who's in the Friends, and then also Bill Poinier. He's a architect engineer by trade. So he helped us kind of get the design. And we started construction on that in June, hoping to have that done by 4th of July. But we uh, that uh, area is a, a hot spot for cultural resources. So <laughs> we kind of had to shrink back the size a little bit. So we had to trade out some equipment. And um, obviously, everyone knows about, you know, ordering stuff right now. There's quite a few back so that pushed it back about two months. But okay. um, right now, that should be finished. We're looking at the week after Labor Day. We'll have a brand new playground there at the beach. Wow. That'll be great. I was just down there the other day with my two little guys looking over. I'm like, oh, man, I, now that I'm going there as a parent, I recognize, yeah, playground. like I would have never thought twice about it. I grew up going there, play volleyball, you know, and go to the beach. And now I'm like, yeah, the absence of a playground is noticeable. Yeah, right. <laughs> as, a, as I'm looking around at all these kids who are camping, just like running around crazy, they need places to play. Yep, absolutely. How are your camping numbers this year? Camping numbers are pretty close to 100% booked. Um, yeah. You know, you can get there on the weekdays. Um, the DNR did add a, a great new function on our um, reservation program where you can click notify me. 
and it'll send you email notifications if there's cancellations. So oh, yeah. um, I think that's helped, you know, get people in there and, you know, actually fill some of those those vacancies that we'd otherwise sure. kind of have if you didn't have that option and you weren't just going down there and hitting refresh all the time to try to get a site. But, um, you know, weekdays, you can kind of, if you're flexible, you can get in, um, you know, a night here, move to another night. But, you know, we've been pretty close to fully booked like we were last and year. And how many camps next do you have? About 467. Wow. So... So I, I, I thought of this back when, when I wrote that article 14, 15 years ago, I talked to Tom Blackwood, the superintendent at the time. He had been there 20 some, maybe 30 years. And it was the first time I ever realized that basically on summer nights, Peninsula State Park is the second largest city in Door County. You know, you take those 500, 460 campsites, even if there were just two people in it, it'd be almost a thousand people. But most of those sites have... I don't know what you'd say the average is three, maybe four. Once you average it out, yeah, probably four per site. Yeah. So you're like, wow, there's almost two thousand people in there every single day, and right. the only other city that's bigger is Sturgeon Bay. So you guys have that, and then at any given moment at midday, how many people are at Nicolay? How many, how many day trippers? I mean, you might have within the confines of that park, you guys are responsible for about a five thousand person right. <laughs> municipality, right? Which is pretty wild to think about because you just think of it as this natural area, but you got the the golf course, the lighthouse, the the cultural, historical m- monuments that you guys are caretakers of, uh, Eagle Tower in Nicolay Beach and the concession stand in there, the food trucks in there. I mean, there's just so many aspects to to what you have in that park. It's it's pretty monumental. Oh, and Northern Sky Theater. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I was just there last night, actually. Yeah. I saw the Love Stings. I got oh, yeah. one, one more play tonight, and then I think they're doing the, the other one, Fishing for the Moon, on Saturday, and their season's done, and... But then they're actually adding um, some musical events through September. So yeah, they're doing some fall stuff at the at the amphitheater, and then they also will have stuff at their new theater, right? Yep. If I'm right. Yep. So it is pretty wild to think of just how much actually happens in that in that park at, at any time. And then you also you basically butt up against the school, so the school is using some of those trails and things at any given moment as well. So just pretty diverse property. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We, so normally we've always had like a superintendent picnic that we invite our campus and friends to. And this year I decided to do three of them just cause you know, we have people coming in and out and June, I invited everyone. I invited, you know, all the partners, all the friends. And it's like, Oh, I better buy more brats for this. <laughs> there's, there's so many, you know, people and groups that make peninsula what it is. I mean, that that's been probably the most exciting thing coming here. I mean, we mentioned the friends, and you got Northern Sky, you've got the, the PGA, the golf course, which, yeah. I'm also, which I'm also a member of. I love that golf course, so check <laughs> it, it out great. if you haven't been there. And then you got, you know, the Door County Historical Society doing lighthouse tours. We've got Nicolay Beach. We've got a firewood vendor, brand new one this year. Uh, we've got Jake and James from Nordor Firewood. Yeah. And, you know, they they got big shoes to fill. They, they came in with uh, <laughs> Sue and Lance um, yeah. Olson, who've been there for 30 years, which is another one of those crazy math things. If you think of how many campers have come there, and they've been there for 30 years, how many bundles of firewood, I mean... Yeah, that is pretty those, wild. Those are just some crazy things you think about every now and then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've just got tons of great partners there. And you guys, you know, speaking of those partners, you also have those, uh, there's a trails group that's been working on uh, creating a new ma- master plan for the trails within the park. Not just, a lot of people are familiar with Sunset Bike Path, which is great, but there's all these hiking trails and single track biking trails that, you know, Peninsula, they're they're great, but Peninsula could be what, what people have always told me, bike path builders and, and planners are like, that could be one of the marquee spots in the state. What is the status of improvements on that front? Yeah. So we've been working on that for about a year. Um, although it's a longer process than that, it was something that was improved, uh, approved in the master plan back in 2018 was basically 
do a master plan for the trails. Um, mm. So within that master plan, so we've been working on that. We've been talking with a lot of the local stakeholders in the area and just a lot of the trail users. And, you know, I don't think we're doing anything, you know, crazy in there that people are going to be upset about, but people will get an opportunity to see it. And uh, I believe next week or the week after it'll be out for public comment. Oh yeah. Um, so once it goes out to public comment, we'll look through all those comments, see if we th- need to add anything. And then it kind of goes up for signatures um, and then it'll be added to our master plan. So, you know, some big highlights in that, you know, we're looking at doing a, you know, kind of continuing sunset trail all the way along Highway 42, offset from the road a little bit, but also having access to the road, because who wants a boring bike trail you know, <laughs> right along the road when you yeah. have this beautiful state park here? So, right. so that'll take you all the way to Ephraim, so hopefully we'll make that connection, and, you know, maybe that'll spur some of the other communities to kind of make that whole network through and, the And you're county. talking about, like, that stretch along the road if I have this right, kind of like between Gibraltar school and like Skyway drive-in, like somewhere along there. Yep. Yeah. All through there. And then, yeah, we got to get some engineers involved and figure out how to get them down that hill and Ephraim. Yeah. Um, but that'll be a really cool connective trail system that'll increase a lot. And then you mentioned mountain bike trails. That's a really big thing that we're looking to, you know, kind of catch up with the recreational demands of what people actually want to do up here. Yeah. So, you know, we're open to have, you know, we, we only have a few miles of actual, what you consider single track trail. So, you know, we're hoping we get up to, you know, maybe 20 miles of all single track tra- trails. That would be phenomenal. So, yeah. So that's another step. Once we're, once the plan's approved, then, you know, we'll be looking to do, you know, our partners to do some fundraising and help with that to actually get, you know, a trail plan, an actual, you know, professional trail planner. And then and then we'll get to work and start building some new trails out there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's where I fell in love with mountain biking is, is in those trails. And it, it's, you know, they're not... For the longest time, they weren't anything close to like a purpose-built trail. They were just, you know, it was a path, you know. And I know these trail groups, guys like Eric Scheller, have done amazing work over the last five to ten years, adding some things and improving those. And they've had some trail-building classes, but really having a, a full-on plan to do something major is that's big news for people who who like to bike. Yeah. And then at Lot Five, which for those who are familiar with the park, Lot Five is a popular meeting spot to to hit the trailhead. But that's out by. Just past the Skyway Drive-In where County A meets Highway 42, then it turns into, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of that road right there. Highland. Highland Road, yeah. And then, so there's Lot 5, and that's where a lot of people access the trails. There's work on trying to build some sort of, um, I don't want to call it, nature center is the wrong word, but some sort of like trailhead hub, right? Yeah, yeah. We're looking at, you know, getting some equipment storage up there, you know, for cross-country skiing and mountain biking, and then also, you know, a warming shelter. And, you know, obviously a warming shelter can be used all year round just as kind of like a little hub for people to take a break and and check things out. And, yeah, so I think that's something that will, you know, gain a lot of momentum with this whole trail plan that we're doing too. So, and also we're looking, just updating, you know, meeting recreational demands, like what people want to do. So I'm not supposed to call it fat bike, fat, fat tire biking, but um, <laughs> looking at making those, you know, on allowed use. So we're going to be adding. Why are you not supposed to call it that? What is it? I think there's a better word for it. <laughs> I don't remember why. But. <laughs> <laughs> might, might get a call from someone. <laughs> Not in a derogatory way or anything. It, we just have a different term for it that we call in the DNR, but I think that's what a lot of people know it as. So, you know, we'll, that'll be an allowed use that we'll be able to do, you know, just kind of measuring up. You know, when I came here in winter, you know, when I first started working in the office, people are like, where can I hike in winter? And I'm like, that's a good question. You look at the map, there's only two or three miles of what we recommend huh. for hiking in winter. And we have 40 miles of combined trails. So just trying to look at that and, you know, 
there's some areas where, you know, these trails were always wet. Well, we can't have cross-country or mountain bike where it's always wet. Yeah. So, you know, just a lot of common sense that we're looking at, you know, taking out and adding and also just some kind of safety issues, you know, especially up by the, the tower and panorama. It's like mm-hmm. there's a trail pretty close to there. It goes there, but, you know, we want to make something obvious there. There's a lot of people walking from there and back and forth. So just... And, yeah, know, there's a couple of trails there that aren't... that clearly were once a main trail but like th- where they have like bars mm-hmm. that you can see them in the weeds and stuff but they're not trails anymore but you've, if you're walking around looking for something you might go down that route and it's actually kind of dangerous if you do yeah so yeah just trying to make some more obvious you know safe areas for people to get to different places and sure. you know we're looking at you know designating some of the interior roads as you know biking only possibly in mm. in summer or as just you know one lane only uh kind of thing so that we can get you know safe routes for people to get all the way up to the tower biking you know right now you can get through most of the park but you know from there you either got to go up that steep hill um yeah which is not very safe even when it's a new road you might be going a little <laughs> too fast now yeah um, right <laughs> so just just a lot of things like that and just trying to you know kind of even out the the uses and what the demand base is well there's i mean there's just so much going on there is there anything we didn't touch on probably probably well we can do it another time yeah but I wanted to ask you, do you, as superintendent, do you live in the park? I do, yes. What's it like to live in Peninsula State Park? It's, um, I, it's got its pros and cons. <laughs> so, you know, it's nice, but, you know, it's, it's hard to mentally take a break when you're looking out your back window and you see the shop area and people rolling in. And yeah. so, you know, especially in summer when it's crazy, you know, I try to check in every day, even on my off days. Yeah. Which off days are not a a real thing in August, but (laughs) (laughs) no, it's nice. I mean, it's a beautiful place. I mean, I think a lot of people would be jealous about living there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I enjoy it. (laughs) So you've been there two years. Tom Blackwood was there at least 25, maybe 30 years. And then we've had, you know, a couple of years it was open. And there, I think we've had a couple more superintendents since. How long do you plan to be here? (laughs) Well, I've been here for two years. So the last, the last two before I've been for three. So I think I'm up in a year. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, I plan on staying longer than three years. So, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of exciting things going on and that kind of keeps me kind of rejuvenated to keep doing it. And I'd rather stay at a, a busy park like this than one that I might be able to relax and not have, you know, any headaches at night about. But yeah, no, I think I'll be here for a little longer than that for sure. Well, Eric, thanks for taking the time and walking us through this. Um, I, I know it's a lot of detail stuff, it's a lot of project-based stuff that we talked about, but it's been on my agenda to get a lot more information about this out to people because we get the questions here that people ask like, what are they doing about the roads or what's going on with this in the park? And you know, it's because people care and people that park has a lot of value to people. So hopefully our listeners appreciated this and hopefully it, maybe it lowers the questions we get, but also lowers the number of questions you get (laughs) in there. And people know that, you know, there are investments going in and people are making these improvements and things like even the totem pole there. I had people, also email me ready to get out the pitchforks for that. And it's, it's nice to inform them like, Hey, this wasn't done willy nilly that there was some thought that went behind it. And uh, whether or not someone agrees with it or not, at least you know that it's not just, Oh, they just like ignored the history of that and took it away. You know? So a lot of different things going on in the park. I'm really glad you were able to come in here and talk about it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for the door County pulse podcast this week. Thanks as always for listening and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.